thank you for listening to the weekly message at First Baptist Church in Bushland, Texas. Hey, grab your bulletin. Uh, back of it has the outline for this morning. And I, today's lesson is real simple. It's a holiday weekend. You may or may not know what day it is. It's Sunday, by the way. It is the 7th of July. Uh, when you get a holiday weekend, you don't know if Friday is Saturday or you know, Saturday is Sunday. And, uh, and so today is a very simple, simple message. But my experience over 25 plus years in ministry is those are the ones that the enemy wants you to miss the most. The enemy has an incredible way of taking the simple and just the simple ABCs of being like Jesus and complicating them are helping us say, I already know that. And we, we don't listen, we don't receive, we don't hear because we think we already know. And my friend, this side of heaven, we're always learning. And so I think God has a specific word for us today. Uh, maybe it's for you and you only today. But the, the, the message is simply finding God's will. That's the ultimate question. I get it all the time from people. How do I know what God wants in my life? How do I know what God wants me to do in my life? And from my days of youth ministry to even today as a pastor, that, that question is still very, very prevalent on people's lives. And, and if you're like me, when I was growing up as a kid and I would hear missionary stories or pastors preach or things like that, I thought the only people that were in God's will, if you were sleeping in Africa getting eaten by mosquitoes that looked like birds, or you were a pastor. And I didn't know that just normal folks could be in the middle of God's will by just doing what God shaped them to do. And today, you may be an electrician or a plumber. You may be a worship pastor. You may be a teacher. You may be outdoor sales. But my friends, you can be right in the middle of God's will. And that can be the shape God has for you. And, and that's what I want you to understand is God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And it may not be a pastor or a missionary, but you can be right in the middle of God's will and you can be doing missionary work right where you are, okay? And we'll talk a little bit about that in a little bit. I want you to go to Scripture. I want you to go to Luke chapter 22, a very familiar passage when we talk about Joshua Cole. These are verses that the church must know. There's 52 of them, and, and you've heard this verse or may even said it many times. Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane. This is on the eve of him being taken later crucified, later hung on a cross for our sins. He is uh, in the Garden of Gethsemane. He takes his posse with him. He simply asks them, guys, I'm going in here. All I want you to do is just sit out there and pray. Well, they sit out there and sleep, okay? And three times he asks them this, and they fall asleep all three times, and that's a whole other message for a whole other day. Okay, so I want you to go to verse 42, Luke chapter 22, verse 42. Luke 22, verse 42. Father, if you're willing, take this cup from me, yet not my will, but yours be done. Not my will, but yours be done. It is the prayer of Jesus, it is the prayer of each of us. Not my will, God, but your will. Not my will, God, but your will. 
If you're like me, that is the question that you ask. You want to know. Even right now, you may be asking it. God, what is your will here? I don't even know what your will in this situation is. I want to know your will. Not my will, but your will. Because so many times for us, our will is very selfish. It's very selfish. It's one of the things that mankind fights the most is meism. It's hard to understand that there's other population in the world because so many times we really think it's just us. And if we're happy, everybody's happy. Or they should be because I'm happy. And if you have teenagers, that is a reminder of that very easily. So, so understand something that, that in this setting, and, and don't get into the debate about, well, God and Jesus are one, and he already knew the will because he's God. I don't do that because I've had coffee with guys that are trying to tell me that's a pointless passage of Scripture. No reason even praying that prayer. He's God. He already knows what's coming. No, there's no way a cup can pass because he's God. Don't, that's not it. You're missing it, okay? Understand something, that at that time it says that Jesus was sweating drops of blood over that. That's how hard he wanted to make sure that was his that that was God's will for his life. So I want you to look at point one. This is simple, simple, simple stuff in finding God's will. Number one, you have to be sure you know the Savior. People come to me all the time and say, man, I want to know God's will. I want to know what God wants from me. I want to know this, and I want to know that, and I want to know, I want, I really want to know what God has, and is, am I supposed to move here? Am I supposed to take this job? Am I supposed to do this? And I always say, no matter what, you know, if I know the person's saved, I don't have to go there. But if I don't know the person's saved, I simply say, first of all, listen to me. Before you worry about finding God's will, you have to make sure, make sure, 110%, you know the Savior. And I've had stuff like, well, I've grown up in church all my life. I mean, every time doors open, my family's in church. I'm not asking for church attendance. I'm just asking you simple. Do you know the Savior? Because that is the number one, number one, number one way to be in God's will, is to be saved. He says in his scripture that his desire is that no one should perish, but everyone come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. That Jesus died for whom? The whole world. For all. So if you want to be in God's will, the first step in being in God's will is the flat jack, just be saved. That's it. And I don't mean that, that you said, well, that's just really deep. Woo, that's deep. No, that's not deep. That's just simple. But I'm going to tell you, the enemy has got a bunch of people muffed up. Because you see God, you want to be the dad that God wants you to be. You want to be the man God wants you to be. You want to be the husband God wants you to be. You want to be the mom God wants you to be. The wife God wants you to be. All this stuff. And you see this big thing. But God sees you as a grain of sand and he says, I want you first to be my child so that you know me and I know you. Because I cannot show you my will. And you won't even get it unless you have me. And if I showed you all that I have for you before you get saved, <laughs> woo, you'd run away scared. I mean run. Because if I was, if God said, Jeff, here's what you're going to do when I was five years old. He said, you're going to pastor one day. I knew me at five, okay? I knew how I could speak and read in first grade and all that fun stuff, and I'm like, no way. So I needed to be saved before God said, this is what you're going to do. 
Because I might have said some bad words, you know, even at seven. No way, God, I'm not doing that. No, you're crazy. No, I mean, I'm just no way. So God's not going to show you the big picture. God wants you to do simple things. And so I want you to look at some scripture. Look at uh, 1 Timothy. Go to 1 Timothy. And if you want to put your finger on 1 Corinthians, we'll come back to that in just a little bit. 1 Timothy chapter 2. Look at verses 3 and 4. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. This is good and pleases God, our Savior, who wants all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Now, if that's confusing to you, all still means all. Okay? You say, well, anyhow, it's like, oh, the Bible is 2,000 years old, it's old and outdated, it's not relevant. All is still all even today. Everybody good with that? I mean, I mean, that's just crazy. All men, that is his desire. He did not make hell for you. He made heaven for you. You choose hell. A loving God will not send a man or woman to hell. They send themselves there. By not responding to the Spirit of God when he draws the man or woman. Okay? And so God's desire for you, first and foremost, is to be saved. I want you to go to 1 Corinthians. Look at verse 14. 1 Corinthians 2.14. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. If you were saved late in life, there's quite a few of you. I mean, just a few. There's quite a few just in the last year or two in the church. But if you were saved late in life, all the scripture you underlined in your Bible up to that point, you need to reread again because you're going to underline them differently. My wife wore me out the first two or three years she got saved. She's 27 years old, and she runs into the house like a 28-year-old going, Hey, look at this. See this in Scripture? This is what this means. I'm like, yep, I got that one. Now, she had underlined that long time ago going through BSA or whatever it's called. What BSF, thank you, Bible Study Fellowship, BSA. That's a hospital, by the way, and you don't need to go there, okay? So, so she's underlining all this Scripture. Her Bible what looked more, I mean, it looked, it was, it was cut up and chopped up and underlined and written in the margin. I mean, hers made mine look like I never spent any time in wit. None. And, but she went back after she got saved, and I mean, it's on a continuous basis. Did you see this? This right here, look over in the Old Testament, Jeff. This right here in the New Testament connects to this in the Old Testament, and that's why this happened then. That's how he did that. That Old Testament and the New Testament, yes, sir. Now, why is that happening? Why? Because her highlighter finally kicked in and that really jumped out at her? No. It's the spirit that's in her now. And so she can discern spiritual things because she has a spirit living in her. Can I ask you a question? If God the Spirit is going to call you to do his will in the spirit, 
Might the person with the invitation might be in the Spirit to hear the Spirit? Because you're not going to hear and do God's will if you're lost. You can do a lot of not God's will lost, okay? But you're not going to do God's will when you're lost. As the Spirit of God begins to draw man, he does the very first thing in the will of God. He gets saved. He gets saved. And then, my friends, through the Word of God, through worship, through prayer, and through the voice of godly people, God's will begins to unfold. Unfold. And you see it. I want you to go to the second one. Next thing after you're saved is, you better be sure you know the Spirit. You say, well, that's a given. I mean, you get saved, and you're saved, and Jesus said that he's going to leave a helper. He says he's going to come in you as a spirit, and you're going to be in the spirit because that's how Jesus lives in your heart. Right. But, my friends, let me say something to you. Just because the spirit lives in you does not necessarily mean you are walking in the spirit. Okay? Walking in the spirit is a daily, daily thing. Because you can be saved and, walk, and, and get up and say, I don't, I don't care about God today. I don't want to do anything God wants today. I, I'm not interested in God today. Now, the question would be, is that person really saved? We don't have enough time to debate that right now. But I'm going to tell you, there's a difference between being saved and being spirit-filled. You can be saved and not walking in the spirit, not obeying the spirit. Okay? That, Scripture says that you must be filled with the Spirit, okay? A filling of the Spirit is every single day you have to say, God, I want to be filled with the Spirit of God today. I want to walk in the Spirit today. I want to see with my eyes what you see with your eyes, and I want you, I want to discern what you're doing. Have you ever met people that visit with you for a little bit and tell you more about yourself than you ever could imagine? How'd they know that? They, they know you because the spirit that they're walking in, they can discern things about you. I mean, I can meet people real quick and discern things about them, okay? Look at Ephesians chapter 5. I just want to go to Ephesians. I don't want to go to the other one. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 17. Therefore, and whenever you see therefore in the Bible, you always want to ask yourself, what's that therefore, therefore? Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. (laughs) What is God's will for my life? Here it is, okay? Understand what the Lord's will is. Do not get drunk with wine, which leads to debauchery, but instead be filled with the Spirit. Be filled with the Spirit the Spirit. He is saying, in order to know my will, you must be saved and you must walk in my Spirit. You must be filled with the Spirit so you can see and discern and hear my voice. My friends, I didn't get all of that until I was in college. I was saved at 10 and... I knew God. I had a reverence for God. I loved him. I went to church. I even tithed. 
But as far as really walking daily in the Spirit, I can't tell you I did that. But God began to deal with me about that, about deeper with Him. I had roots, but they wouldn't have handled the West Texas wind. They wouldn't have. And see, my foundation at that point in my life was really baseball and my family. Those were my man-made gods. When, all of, when baseball was good and family was good, Jeff was good. Okay? Well, what happened when I was in college was my freshman year, my parents really began to struggle, really began to struggle. And I would just get that through phone calls and then my brother and sister who were still at home. Well, also during uh, that year, um, baseball was still awesome, but I, I, for the first time in my life, really began to have some arm issues where it hurt a lot after I threw. Not the pain of throwing a bunch, just weird pains that I hadn't had before. So I rock along in my sophomore year. Early in my sophomore year, my parents divorced. And that really shook my foundation or my man-made foundation. Then that whole fall semester of my sophomore year, uh, I had a lot of arm trouble and had it in the spring and ended up sitting out the fall of my junior year and not even throwing that fall. But understand something. God began at that time to shake me in those two foundations. And I knew the Lord is my Savior, but He was not Lord. And I was not spirit-filled believer. And people would say, well, I heard the Lord say this. What? he call you or what? We didn't have cell phones yet. I mean, and, and, and so I didn't know what that meant. And they'd say, you know, I heard, I saw God say this in Scripture or this right here just, and, and I knew the Lord, but I, I, I really didn't walk in His Spirit every single day of my life. And I didn't ask God to fill me with, my, with His Spirit every day. And so I began to do that. And, and I saw life and, and, and I saw things in ways I've never seen them before. God began to just deepen my walk with the Lord. Deep roots, man, deep roots. And I began with a hunger and a thirst for the Lord that I never really had before. I'd kind of want to surface with God, okay? But this was a lot deeper. And it was then that God began to deal with me about ministry. And you know my excuse for ministry was my speech impediment. And I, that's what I wanted to keep God at a distance, and when you're just his Savior, when he's just your Savior, that's fine. But when he wants to be Lord and boss and wants to tell you what to do or direct your life or you want to be in his will, he, he speaks there. And, buddy, he did begin to speak there. And I found people that once they get saved, but, and then they want more. They have a hunger to go deeper in the Word. And they begin to feel themselves or ask daily to be filled with the Spirit of God. God begins to show them and speak to them in ways that they've never heard and, and seen before. Never. And they'll come to me and tell me things, and I just walk away grinning because I'm like, <laughs> that's pretty cool. You, you're getting it, man. You're getting it. You're seeing it. And it's awesome because God, in his word, wants to say so much more to us than we take the time to listen to because we're in a hurry. We, we've got a comfortable relationship with the Lord. And, but he wants so much deeper than that. And so, first, to know God's will, you've got to be saved. 
And secondly, you must be spirit-filled. You say, well, can you be spirit-filled and sell insurance? You dadgum right you can. You dadgum right you can. Because everybody that walks through those doors to buy insurance really ultimately is there appointed by God before the beginning of time who says, I need an insurance policy bigger than what I'm walking in this door to ask you for. I need an insurance policy for eternity. They're not going to say that, friends. They're not going to say, will you tell me about Jesus? Now, they're probably not going to say that. But if you're walking in the Spirit, you don't see them as an interruption to your day, an obstacle to frustrate you, okay? You see them as God's creation, that God has a purpose for them, and the same God that hung on the old rugged cross for you hung on him for them. And you assume they're saved because you're saved. But see, that's what happens when you got blinders on. Because you think everybody smells like you and looks like you and eats like you and does what you do. That's not true. And you see people for who they are. And instead of talking about auto insurance, you talk about eternity insurance. And over your desk, my friend, you lead a brother or sister to Christ. They become a new creation in the kingdom. They go out and they tell their wife or husband and they get saved. And then their kids follow them. And then they become an active part of the church. And they expand the kingdom because they got neighbors that they used to hang out with that they now take to church and they hear the gospel and they get saved. You see how it works? You tell me that man is in God's will? Woo! Big time. Is he a missionary in Africa? Nope. Is he a pastor? Nope. What is he? He's a missionary, all-state insurance salesman. All right? You, I'm telling you, instead of fighting people at work and all the customers that do stupid things that frustrate you, you got to see them differently. And you won't do that without the Spirit in you every day. You just won't do it, man. You'll cuss them, shoot them the bird, cut them off, Tell your wife that there are more morons than educated people today, all right? And she will agree with you to keep the home happy, and she's going to pray for you that you get spirit-filled and understand why you keep getting those people on culture, and she doesn't get them, all right? (laughs) But understand something, man. The church has got to wake up. There is stuff happening in, in the political system, a lot that you hear about, and a lot that you don't hear about that it directly affects your life. And I'm going to tell you right now, you wearing Jesus' jersey, you're under attack, dude. You better put some pads on. And if you don't have a mouthpiece, you better get one because somebody's about to go upside your head unexpectedly or expectantly. Because the church is under attack, man. I'm telling you, they're coming. I'm telling you, there's going to be a day that they tell us when you can and cannot meet and what you can do. That's how they want to get there. And they're slowly making inroads, man. I'm going to tell you, if you come in the church and you're, you're, you're saved and you love Jesus for the donuts and the coffee and the warm fuzzies, you, you're in a rude awakening. Rude awakening. You better get spirit-filled daily. You better wake up and before your feet land on that carpet or concrete floor, whatever you got in your home, you say, God, fill me today fresh and new with your spirit. Give me fresh revelation and, and let me see what you see today. And you use me today. 
And I'm going to tell you, you better buckle up because you're for a ride. I mean, I'm going to tell you, I get phone calls and I get, I just bump into people random times, man. And God gives me favor of these people. And it's just crazy, man. I love it. I mean, I purposely just, I mean, it's just, I'm out there and they just bump in. I just see them. And I'm like, dude. And we start talking. Like that guy that came to check my roof. How random is that? Right? He wants to tell me all about going to seminary and, and getting a marriage and counseling degree and how to know God's will and all this other stuff. I'm like, whoo, you got set up, dude. I'm just telling you right now. You didn't got on the roof of the pasture. We've been talking in my front yard. I mean, that guy stayed forever, man. My wife's like, he's still up there? Yeah, he's still up there because every time I go out, he wants to talk. Right? So stay in the house. Right? So, I mean, he was there forever, wasn't he? Like six hours. I'm like, and then he came back that evening. And waited for me to get out of the shower, sat in my driveway, so I go back out and talk to him again. And Miller said, what are you talking about? Really nothing. He already told me that. What do you want? What do you, you come for? I said, I don't know. He just wants to talk more about Jesus. I don't know why he came. Right? But I just got clothes on and went out there and talked to him. Dude, here's the deal. You want to be in God's will? You got to be saved and you got to be spirit-filled. Because when you are spirit-filled, you're going to see it, boy, like you had never seen it before. You're going to see news. And when I watch the news or hear the news, I, 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 do, I do this all the time. Hmm, that's pretty interesting. Let's see what God's going to do there. Let's see what God's going to do right there. Because they, they make it like they win something. We won. We won. You ain't winning nothing. You win, you're not winning. I mean, that's neat and everything. I'm real excited for you. Go home and tell your wife you did that. But you're not winning. So don't get on TV and tell you win. You're not winning nothing. God is just, he's just writing, all right, he's writing it down. It's just a new address for God to do another supernatural miracle. That's all it is. And so, folks, be spirit-filled. Okay, I beat that to death. We've got to move. All right, last one's this. You've got to be saved. You've got to be spirit-filled. And, my friends, you've got to know the word. you got to know. This is not a coaster, by the way. All right, I was having coffee with a guy the other day. Yeah, I shouldn't tell this. I kid you not, man. He, I said, do you have your Bible in the car? Yeah, I got it in my car. Go get it. So he went and got it. And we're sitting there uh, having coffee, and he puts his Bible down, and it's got a ring on the top. I said, dude, what happened to your Bible? Oh, man, you know, I, I sit it by my bed, and, you know, uh, I, honestly, I never in my word, it's just a coaster by my bed. I said, well, I appreciate your honesty. Let's just get into the Word. I mean, this cracked me up, man. Big old white ring, perfect shape, 16-ounce cup, whatever that was. I, probably some good sweet tea. I didn't know it got that humid to make a ring around a Bible. But, uh, but it's not a coaster. It's the Word. My friends, here's the deal. Do not do, not do the, the Baptist church trap of Sunday morning, about to walk out the door, ask your wife where your Bible is. Can I just tell you, if that doesn't embarrass you, it should. Because it embarrasses me as your pastor, right? Do not. That should never come out of your mouth. Honey, where is my Bible? Man, or, honey, I need to get a Bible, right? But, but here's the deal. You've got to know where your word is. If you're going to lead your home, you better first be led by him. I'm just telling you. And you, you, no, I don't, 
I know the men's group's awesome, and I know you enjoy worship and, and, and listen to me, whatever I do. But you've got to get in the Word, in the Word. Because when you're saved and you're spirit-filled, the Spirit says in Colossians that He, by His Spirit, is going to give you fresh revelation to His Word. He will enlighten you. It says that He will pull the blinders off your eyes and show you things you've never seen before. Well, if you're never in it, how's he going to show it to you? It's not like instructions to put your kids' Christmas toys together. You don't know everything, all right? Get in the Word. Don't say, I remember that Scripture I learned when I was in Awanas. You're 62. Have you learned the Scripture since then? I mean, come on. Know the Word because that's how he's going to speak to you. You're saved, you're spirit-filled, and get in the Word. Get in the Word. Joshua 1.8 says that, that never, ever, ever let the Word depart from you. But every day, meditate on it, day and night, so you be success, successful and profitable. Look at, I want you to go to Psalms. Just a couple of scriptures in Psalms and we're done, I promise. Look at Psalm 119, big old long Psalm 19. Go to 105, 105, your Word Your word, the Bible, God's word, scripture, whatever you want to call it, your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. I've said over and over again, it lights your feet and lights the path for your feet, okay? It doesn't light up a whole bunch of other stuff for you because that's none of your business out there to the left or the right. That got Peter in trouble in the water, it'll get you in trouble here on dirt, all right? Don't go all, don't worry about all that. You stay on your path. What's that commercial? It's got that green stripe for investments. That's God's word. Just get on that green stripe, dude, and stay on it. Everybody else got their own green stripe. You stay on yours. And I'm going to tell you, he will show you incredible things. Okay? Jump over a page. Verse 30. Psalm 119, 130. The unfolding of your words gives light. It gives understanding to the simple. Mm, my goodness gracious. The unfolding. Dude, what is he unfolding? A napkin? No, he's unfolding his word. You can hear the pages unfold. It gives understanding to the simple. What's the enemy try to do to confuse believers? The simple things. Simple things. Oh, you're saved. Remember that? You grew up in church. You're lost. Don't listen to that. Okay, don't do it. It's a trap, all right? Listen to the word. Unfold the word, okay? And it will give meaning and understanding to the simple things. And after you get saved and your spirit filled and you get in the word, it's going to come alive, man. If the Bible is not coming alive to you, something's wrong. The word ought to come alive, man. The word says that it's active and living, a lot of things do do things, okay, all right? If it's not doing something, it's not alive, okay? It's dead, all right? So the Word is alive. It's doing something. You got to get in the Word. I, I mean, I can't say it enough. You say, well, you're a preacher. You're supposed to say that. I know I'm supposed to say that, but you got to get in the Word, all right? You got to get in the Word. Simple things of finding God's will. It's not real complicated, and it's not hard. It's not Get saved, 
Walk in the Spirit daily while you're in the Word. And dude, I promise you, you're going to be in God's will. You won't miss it. You won't miss it. You won't have to say to a buddy, hey man, you know, I know you just pat, you just walked in here and we started talking about Jesus, but let me call my pastor because I want to take you to talk to my pastor. He didn't bump into your pastor. He bumped into you. So you're in God's will, and he trusts you, and he put him in your path. Knock a home run, dude. You do it. You do it. Don't call me up. Don't. Don't call your wife. That's embarrassing to her, okay? That's like a crutch, right? You do it. You do it. Church, it's time that we each find God's will. You can be a nurse. You can sell insurance. You can sell cars. You can sweep a floor. You can coach. It doesn't matter. But you find God's shape, and you're a missionary appointed by God for that location. And you use that platform to tell as many people about the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. And when you lead them to Jesus, you say, man, you walk in the Spirit every day and you get in the Word. I'll buy you a Word. Here's a Word. Get in that Word. And then you, wherever God puts you and shapes you, you become a missionary right where you're at. And I'm going to tell you, all week long, you'll be having church. You call me up. Man, I'm having church today. Good. Rock and roll. All right? All day long. All right? As we move to a time of invitation, I'm going to pass them come back up. Here's a question for you. Number one, are you in God's will? Have you found God's will? The first part of that is, am I saved? Are you saved? Has there ever been a time in your life that you absolutely know that you were changed? That you gave your life to Christ? You were once blind, but now you see? You had no hope, but now you've got hope? That you know that Jesus came into your life and he changed you, man. He changed you. And you'll never be the same again. If you're yes to that, then are you yes to spirit field? Am I walking daily in the spirit of God? Walking daily. You have power in my life. Power in my life. And am I in the word? Am I in the Word? If you want to be in God's will, those are the first three big, big deals right there. Big deal. Those are your questions this morning as we enter a time of invitation. Let's pray together. Father, this morning, your Word is simple. It's just real simple. and We don't like it to be simple sometimes because we don't want to have to respond to it. We'd rather it be deep and confusing and have to have a night class to understand it. But Father, that's not who you are. You're the man that set people down and took a boy's lunch and fed 5,000 people. Had leftovers. Fish and bread. Sack lunch. Father, this morning we are a church and we are a people that desires to know your will for our lives. And if you could speak to us personally, you would simply say the first part of that is that you'd be saved. Secondly, walk in my spirit. And third, know my word. And then wherever I put you, you'd be my missionary. 
my ambassador for Christ. So, Father, today, I pray you speak to us right where we're at. Right where we're at. This is your invitation. Our chance to respond to the invite that you give. Maybe there's a family here this morning, our families, that have been looking for a church home, a place to call home, a place to put their roots down, a place to say, this is not where I go to church, it's my church. Maybe you'll lead that family this morning to join First Baptist Church and become a part of the body of Christ here and what you're doing. God, whatever you need to do, you move us today. May we say yes to you, and may you be honored today. In Jesus' name.